0: this week's parsha is a double parsha wayakel and pekude together in parsha's pekude there is a very beautiful rashi there's not too many rashis on parsha's pekude it's mostly parsha if you notice It's a lot of Khazara from the previous parshias but there's one rashi that really stands out and i'd like to focus on it this morning the Pasuk Emparek Lamites, Pasuk Mem Gimel, says, at the conclusion of the entire Binyan HaMishkan, when the entire structure of the Mishkan was completed, Vayar Meishas Kol HaMalacha, Meishu abeno looks over, he surveys the entirety of the Malacha, vine Asu Aysa Kasher Tziva Hashem kein asu. and it was done to the T. Everything that the Rabbeinah Shalom wanted them to do was done. And when he saw that, Vayivarech Eysam gave a bracha to Klal Yisrael. He benched Klal Yisrael. He was so proud of Klal Yisrael that they were able to accomplish this phenomenal feat to be able to build this beautiful Mokkaim for the Shechina with all of the Dimensions and with all of the halachas, all of the tzivuyim to the nth degree, Meshe Rabbeinu was so overwhelmed with the endeavor and the success thereof that he benched Klal Yisrael. And Meshe Rabbeinu says, Rashi, he actually did not just give one bracha to Klal Yisrael, he gave two brachas to Klal Yisrael. First he said to them, "Ye ratzayin, it should be the will of the Rabbeinu Shleilam, Shetishra shechina b'may that he should dwell his shechina b'may in the handiwork of your, of your hands. The work of your hands, all of this craftsmanship, all of the nedavis, all of the outpouring of generosity, to purchase the materials and to build the structure and all of the kalim, Hakadosh should be his That's the first bracha that He gave, and then He gives another bracha to call Yisrael, the nayam Hashem alekenu alenu, umasi kainu alenu. The nayam Hashem alekenu let the pleasantness let the beauty of the Rabinish Shalim dwell upon us. Rashi ends so often says that this is one of the ten Mizmairim that Moshe Abenu composed that's found in Sefer Tilim. Vinayam, we say it on Matsai Shabbos, we say it in Pesukah de Zimra on Shabbos and Yantif morning. Vinayam was one of those ten chapters of Tilim that was composed by Meshrabeinu. People think that David Amelaf wrote the entire Sevratilim. David Amelef wrote much of Severtilim, but he really assembled Kapitlach from many people. Adam Rishin and Meshrabeinu and Asaf. There were a lot of there was a lot of other people that contributed to Savratilim. But Mesh Rabeinu wrote ten of these kapitlach. One of them is the Nayam and that was one of the brachas that, the Rabbeinu, that Meshe Rabbeinu gave to Klai Yisrael let the pleasantness of the Rabbeinu Shalom be aleinu upon us and the Mefarshim asked why is it that Meshur Rabbeinu chose two distinct brachas whenever you see some, something like this you have to ask yourself a question what is both brachas doing let's just give one bracha, why two brachas and once said, a, a Rebbe used to say, when we learn together, sometimes you look up in the, uh, the Maseris HaShas and the, um, and the uh, on the side of the Gemara, when there's a footnote in the Gemara, so you look to the side and it tells you um, where it's found in the Rambam in Aruch. Besides for the other place in Shasta that the Gemara is found, it's also where is it found in the Rambam in Aruch? Sometimes, most of the time it just quotes one Rambam. But sometimes it quotes two Rambams. So he used to say to me, Rabbi, he says, Maisha, you know what you have when you have two Rambams that's quoted from, a, from one footnote? I said, no, what, what do you have? He says, you have shir. You have shir, you have the ability to give a shir that day. Because when the Rambam says two things, when the Rambam quotes one halacha in two different locations, why would he do that? And you have to look carefully why the Rambam chose to do that. That's sheer. You have Fidu to say when you see something like that. And likewise, when you have two separate brachas that Rashi brings, you have to scratch your head and say, why would Mesh Rabbeinu say two brachas? What's wrong with just saying one bracha? What is each bracha accomplishing that the other would not. And I wanted to suggest to the, the possible territs that the truth is that the mishkan had two elements to it. What was the purpose of building the mishkan? Why well, not HaKadosh Baruch would say to build the mishkan? So most people would say, HaKadosh Baruch wanted to have a place in this world as a mother he wanted to be able to dwell amongst us he didn't want to just be in shamayim and you know just be so distant he wanted us to feel that we have a place to go and bring be makrev karbanes and daven and so he says i'm going to have a place down here that i'll be Mitzamtsim, my i will concentrate somehow which is a miracle how the manishhem could somehow crunch up his vast expanse which is the Shekhinah, into a small space of the Mishkan. But that's what I'm going to do. And that's true, that's one purpose of the Mishkan. But we know that there's another purpose of the Mishkan. And the other purpose of the Mishkan is based on a Medrash that nobody really found that actual Medrash, but the Medrash is quoted by Yishla. It's a Medrash that everybody heard of a thousand times. But nobody knows exactly where it is. But the Shlach Kaddish Naseva brings this from a Medrash, and the Medrash says on the pasuk of a Asulim Mikdash you should build for Me a Mikdash, and I will dwell b'Saycham. Now you don't have to be a very big baldictok to know that if you're speaking about one Mikdash, it's not b'Saycham, but it's b'Saychay. It's I want to dwell in it. I, the Asuli Mikdash, build for me a Mikdash, and I will dwell in it. Why would you say I will dwell in them. Doesn't make sense. It's like you know, I bought a house and I'm going to live in them. That's not English. That's not Tiktok. What does it mean? You should make for me a Mikdash, and I will dwell in them. So the measure says B'saychay le'neamar ella B'saycham B'saych kol echad ve'echad. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not merely want a place that he could dwell in and we won't have anything personally from it. His real Kavanan commanding us to build the Mishkan is that by extension, once HaKadosh Baruch Hu is down here and we go to the Mishkan and we're inspired and we're moved and we're able to see the Karbanas, we see the kaihanim Dasam uleviyahim b'shiram and Yisrael b'mahamagam and they're all doing their avaida and there's all the miracles happening in the Mishkan and you feel the presence of the Shechina as you enter and as you surround it the taskless of the Mishkan is not just that the Shechina should stay in the Mishkan but rather that it should be b'seich k'echa I want to dwell in you I want to be an influence on your daily life there are so many people that they feel that where is God God is in the synagogue God, God is in the temple God is in the, in the schools is God in the office no 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 God's not in the office in the office I do I have my own mishpat. I do what I need to do to make a killing is God in, the, in your house no God's not in my house I can do in my house whatever I want When I go to temple and I pray, that's where God is. That's not true. The rabbinic Shalom doesn't want that he should be just some presence in the temple. Hashem wants that you should go to the temple, be inspired, and then that should carry over into your daily life. So there's really two dinim in the Mishkan. The first thing is, yes, the rabbinic Shalom wants to be Masha in the Mishkan but then there's another din that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to take from the Mishkan draw from the Mishkan Kedusha, and bring the Rabbani Shalom into you into your body, into your soul into your day to day existence your halachyelech in life, at work in the bedroom, in the boardroom in the, in, the, in the office, in the everywhere, that's where I want your Shekhinah I want the Shekhinah to be found I don't want it just to be in the Mishkan. That's not what my intention is. That's one of it. But the real intention is that it should be inside of every id. The Asherah Sashchina. Based on this, I wanted to say that that might be the two brachas that Moshe Rabbeinu Ben saw Yisrael with. The first bracha is the Yirat Zayin The should choose to dwell in your physical structure that you built for him, that Mishkan that you built so beautifully, HaKadosh come down and descend and live in that Maish That's one bracha, but that's not where it ends. Moshe Rabbeinu continues and says, Nayam Hashem Aleinu. Let the sweetness, let the pleasantness of HaKadosh Baruch be Aleinu. What does that mean, Aleinu? Aleinu means that let the Ashras HaShechina extend out of the Mishkan and let it influence our lives. Let the sweetness, let the pleasantness, let the beauty of the Rabbeinu Shalom Shchina be Aleinu. Let us feel it, let us take it and let us live with it. I saw this year a vart from Rabbi Yashiv in a Sefer HaGadah that I think ties in nicely with my vart but it's really a it's a a beautiful vart in and of itself he also was bothered by what this bracha means he says a he thing. he says that where did the inspiration of the architecture and the design of the Mishkan come from? Where did it come from? Think about it. The people that built the Mishkan, Bitsalel and all of his team of, of architects and team of contractors and builders, where did they grow up? Where were they raised? Where did they quote-unquote go to their design school? They didn't. The Ramban says that these are people that were completely unskilled in any artistry, in any artisanship. And it was just, they were Nisal Libam. They just had a divine calling to build something way beyond the scope of their capabilities and the Ramban Sholem allowed them, gave them the Siakad Shemaya somehow to do this amazing thing. Imagine if you have absolutely no training in design. Let's say you never made even like a bracelet or a ring in your life. And I give you a, a lot of gold and a hammer, and I say, okay, now chisel out, make a manaira. One piece of gold. The whole manaira was banged out of one big sheet of gold. Here's your hammer, here's the gold, go for it. I don't know what to do with it. What, what, I start banging, what do I do? That's sort of what happened with Salo. He had no training. He wasn't a goldsmith. He wasn't, a, he wasn't somebody that had any experience in doing that. The greatest goldsmith in the world probably couldn't do it. The Ramban said it was a, an outgrowth purely of a Nesias They just wanted to do it, and sometimes when you want to do something really badly, and you dive into the Rav and you try, the Rabbanisham allows it. Be that as it may, you know that every artist has some inspiration. Every artist is influenced by a certain school. If you ever study art in any way, so there are certain schools of art. Monet has a school of art, and Rembrandt, and uh, Picasso, and some are modern art, and some are impressionist art, and some are, I don't know, classical, and whatever, there's different types of schools of art. And every artist came from a certain school, and he had his influences. That's why some artists are very—they do very modern art. Some are more classical art. Some are uh, some you don't even know. Like there's one, like a spritz on a, on a whole canvas, and it's like ten million dollars. That's also art. Every person has their own art, and uh, you know that's that's what it is. So the artists that were building the mishkan, where was their influence from? What was their art school? What was their... Who guided their their taste? So, Meshav Abeno was worried going into this project that perhaps there would be some Egyptian influences in the Mishkan. All of a sudden, he's going to come one day and see the Mishkan, you know, in its completion. And it's going to have hieroglyphics on. And it's going to have pyramids on. It's going to have all the, the Egyptian different symbols that was so prominent in the Egyptian culture and he was worried about this Meshav Abenu. Abenu gave a bracha to Klael Yisrael to the builders that Bar Hashem there was no influences of Egypt in the construction of the Mishkan the you know what was the greatest influence you know how Beauty was defined by the artists that built the Mishkan, the Nayam of Hashem. What was beautiful to the Rabbi The Rabbi taste in art, the Rabbi culture, the Kedusha of the Shekhinah. That is what permeates the Mishkan in every single Kliya Mishkan. The Nayam of Hashem Alekeinu Aleinu. The Nayam of Hashem. That was the primary and the sole influence of the building of the Mishkan. There was no trefana additives in the Mishkan. There was no graphics in the Mishkan that were from a Goyesha Hashpah. It was all pure Noyem Hashem. It was all beauty as defined by the Rabbanisham. Not as defined by Egyptians. Not as defined by... What Paris considers to be beautiful, or what London considers to be beautiful, or what Rome or Greece. It was a nayam that was a nayam to Hashem. And that's what made the Mishkan the perfect mother L'shina. Because it was beauty as defined by the Rabbi Nisham. This is what Rabbi Yashiv offers in terms of this bracha of the of Moshe to Yisrael, the nayem Hashem alainu, the beauty of the Rebbeinu Islam rests in this, and that's alainu. We are influenced only by the beauty of the Rebbeinu Shlom, not by the beauty of what a guy considers to be beautiful, but purely what Hakadosh Baruch considers to be beautiful. And this is something I think that's very important to, for us as Yidden living in America, circa 2017, to really try to think about it a little bit: what do we consider to be beautiful? How do we define beauty? How do we define what's enjoyable in life? How do we define what really gets us excited in life? I would suggest that if we were intellectually, if we were honest with ourselves, and we'd ask ourselves that question, the answer might be a little frightening. Because while we're all Baruch Hashem B'nai Taira, and while we're all shaym mitzvahs, We get up for davening every day We put on tefillin every day We learn every day We do mitzvahs every day We say brachas before and after we eat Every time we leave the bathroom We make an asher yatzar Our day is definitely permeated with kedushah There's no doubt about that Baruch Hashem But what do we define As gishmak in life? What's our nayam? What do we look towards when we want an experience that's good and fun and delicious and exciting? What, do we, what is that? What is that to us? Do we look to mitzvahs to give us that excitement? When we shake a lulav and esrig, is that exciting for us? They say a story about the Kedusha Salevi or B'Levi Yitzmi Bar that one morning of uh, the first morning of Sukkot, he came to his family and he and he was bleeding. His hands were gushing blood, and his family got all alarmed. and They said, "What happened?" They got him bandages, etc. And he said that he was waiting the whole night until the first moment that he was able to take the lulav and in his hands to be the mitzvah. And he forgot that the lulav and was behind glass. He put it on a, on a shelf and it was a shelf that had glass on it and in his excitement to take the lulub and Eserig, he went right through the glass with his hands and he took the lulub and Eserig, and he started making the bracha and shaking the He forgot all about the glass and he even feel the pain because he was so excited. That's what animated him. His lulub and Eserig is what he lived for. There are people that live for davening. They look forward to davening. I have a friend that used to, he was a very chashev of looking back, you know, as you get older, you look back at some of your experiences and you're like, wow, that was impressive. At the time, it was just another guy in yeshiva, maybe he was a little nerdy even. But every time he davened Shemayin Esrei, he pulled out of his pocket a tie, and he put it on and he, put, he wore a tie. It's so a he wasn't a rabbi in yeshiva, he wasn't a, just a bacher, And he lived for davening. He loved davening. eser was long and it was intense. That's what he lived for. There are some people that live for doing chesed for others, collecting money for tzedakah for others, joining hatsala, joining Haverim, doing things that most of us don't have interest in doing, but they love doing that. That's their geshmak in life. Their nayam is doing chesed. Some people, they love learning. Their learning to them is like, that's all they want to do. They want to just sit with their Gemara and learn, that's what they live for. They don't do it because they have to do it. They don't do it because there's attendance taken and they're going to maybe get a bad mark on their Talmud grade if they don't. They genuinely love learning and that's all they want to do. we know people like that. How do we, personally... Define Nayam. What's beautiful for us? Maybe, and I look around the room and I think many of you, Taka, are in one of those categories, or many of those categories. But many of us do what we're supposed to do because it's minagavisenu biadenu. This is what the way we grew up. Our parents expect us to daven every day, to learn every day. We were born into it. I just asked somebody yesterday, a younger child. I asked, uh, you know, do you enjoy Yiddishkeit? Do you think that Yiddishkeit is kishmak? Look, power. I said, if you would have the ability to not be a yid, let's say you would start from scratch and you know, it could be any religion that you want, would you be a yid? He said, "Yeah, yeah, I would." But he also told me that I think that the only reason why I'm a yid is because that's how I was born. If I had been born, uh, you know, a Catholic, I'd be doing Catholic stuff. And that means if a person can say that, it means that they're not really seeing the nayam Hashem. Nayam to them is is uh, you know going to a ball game, watching a ball game, watching a movie being able to, uh, you know, go for a bicycle ride, go to a museum maybe, eat a gishmak, a meal. That's what's nayam. That's what I live for. But a yid is really supposed to not just do, but to feel the nayam Hashem. There was once a bachar in yeshiva many, many years ago. And I remember, to the, like it was today, he came to me, and he was, a, he was a ger. His mother was not Jewish, and she converted, and then, and then Mamela he became Jewish also. He was born from a mother who was a, who was a ger. And one day he came to me in a panic, a literal panic, and he said, Rabbi, I have a very big problem, you have to help me out. I said, what? He says, Something came up, there was some news that, some new uh, information that came to light that my mother's gerus was not really proper. She was the, the gerus, I thought it was always done by an orthodox rabbi, now it turns out it was done by a reform rabbi, a conservative rabbi, and everything is thrown into a, you know, now there's a big fog and I need quickly to be Magaya myself because Shabbos is coming and I want to keep Shabbos I don't know if I'm allowed to keep Shabbos and you know I'll admit what I said I shouldn't have said it but I, I joked around I said well let's take it easy but slow down a little bit you're telling me that you might not be Jewish so like what's the rush like you know just enjoy take a week off enjoy yourself a little bit like, wait, wait, where's the where's the fire <laughs> and then, so he said, he said to me exactly what Ben Yaman said. He like is making a I was joking half, but he was he was like, "What are you talking about?" he Says, "I know you're joking," but he says, "I don't want to miss one Shabbos, one Shabbos." And I'm like, "Wow, that's the way a yid should be. That's the way a yid should be. A yid should not every Shabbos is chashuv." Every day is chash, every daveni is chash. I wouldn't want to miss it. You give me a choice of being a yid or a guy, it should be even a, a havamina that I should want to be a guy. But we're so influenced by the culture around us, by the nayam ha as Ril Yashiv puts it. What's geschmack to us is what's geschmack to every American. We happen to be Jewish by faith. But are we Jewish to the core? Is the nayam HaShem Aleinu? Is the Shekhinah really Shire B'Seek Kalecha V'Echa? If the Shekhinah didn't just stay in the temple, but it was actually inside of us, B'Seek Kalecha veecha, then we would all feel that way. Oh, I should be a guy? I want to be a Yid. I love being a Yid. This is what I live for. I wouldn't want it any other way. The problem is that we have the first Bracha of Abeinu. The Sherba We build yeshivas and we build shuls and we build kailim and we build chadarim and we build beis yakivs, and we build kosher restaurants. And there's the Shechina, but is the Shechina Did the Shechina get to the vinaim Hashem aleinu, That not. That bracha is not chal on all of us. That's for the select few. We have the Nayama Mitri. We are so influenced, we are so influenced by the Nayama Mitri, by Egyptian culture, by Roman culture, by Greek culture, by American culture. We have our baseball teams in the summer. We have our football teams in the winter. If you're Canadian, you have your hockey teams. If you're from South America, you have your soccer teams. We have our favorite actors, our fa- favorite singers, movie stars, poets, writers, authors. We have it all. The only difference between us and them is we wear a yarmulke, we put on tzillen, and we do mitzvahs. But the mehusainu is the nayam Hashem alaynu, is it beset Unfortunately, not always. And that's the reality. And if maybe you feel that what I'm saying is not true, then you're lucky. But go to the yeshivas, go to the the elementary schools, and ask those kids, or high schools, find out, go ask them. Find out, take a poll in the high schools, of how many people think Yiddishkeit is geschmack. Or ask yourself when you were in high school: Yiddishkeit kishma. Yiddishkeit was something that you did begrudgingly because you had to. Your rabbi said to do it. Your parents had to do it. But it was such a dehydrated form of Yiddishkeit so often that I'm doing it, but I'm not. You know, it's it's just a cultural thing. But it's not what I really want to do with my life. What do I, I love? Traveling and I love seeing the world and I love. Movies and I love sports, and I love everything that the Nayam amitzri is. But Yiddishkeit is not, it's something I do, it's not something that I live. The Nayam HaShem is not Aleinu. The Nayam amitzri is Aleinu. And that's a shame. Because we're living a life, and we're doing everything anyway, so shouldn't it be with the perception of how beautiful it is, Ashreino matayv Uma uman noyim gairaleno, umayyof It's not just an intellectual type. Ashreino matayv chalken. type means, yeah, I give it a, a you know a passing mark. Type chalkeno. Our the fact that we're yidden, it's good. That's an intellectual thing to say. That's a very you know cerebral reaction. It's type. It's good but it doesn't stop there you have to feel the noyam you should say I should see beauty in my Yiddishkeit it has to be noyam it has to be an emotional high it has to be an aesthetic high you have to say I love this I love sitting in a sukkah on sukkus. I love eating matzahs on Pesach I once had a friend who was dating for a very, very long time. He was already in his 30s. And he was still in yeshiva and he was in the dormitories and he was finally going out with a girl for a long time and there was traction and things were going, not attraction, there was traction, things were picking up speed and everyone in the dorm was so excited. Finally, this guy is going to find a shit up, he's going to get married. And one night he comes back to the dorm he's avo says, He very upset, and we knew already just by looking at his face that something had gone wrong. And I said to him, what's happening? What's wrong? He says, I'm not marrying her. I said, well, why not? What happened? He said, she said something and I can't marry a girl that said that. I said, what did you say? What did she say? It was this time of year, it was before Pesach and they were talking about Pesach and she said, I hate matzahs. Hate matzahs. He says, if she would have just said, I don't like the taste of matzus,' If she would have just said that it doesn't agree with me. But how can a person say, I hate matzus'? I can't marry such a girl. Whether he was right or wrong, but at least he had that hergish. That so you don't say, I hate matzus.'" You don't say, I can't stand X and Y and Z if it's talking about mitzvahs. You don't say that. You have to love matzahs. You have to love a sukkah. Even if it's bitter cold outside or even if it's boiling hot. I love sitting in a sukkah. This boy that I was telling you about that always put on a tie by davening, he was also, his mitzvah was sukkah. And he would literally live in the sukkah for eight days. That's, that was his mitzvah. His phone would be, this was before cell phone. Now everybody brings a phone into a sukkah. But then he had like a real phone that he installed in the sukkah. And he had a bed in the sukkah. And he ate in the sukkah. And he, he drank in the sukkah. And he slept in the sukkah. And he, he lived in the sukkah. He didn't want to leave the sukkah. You couldn't, wild horses couldn't draw him out of a sukkah. That's what he loved. He loved sukkah. Do we love sukkahs? Do we? It's a question. Do we love sukkahs? Hopefully the answer is emphatically yes. But a lot of us, we like maybe going to a great adventure on Chalamayi. We like that we have off from Yeshiva. But do we love sitting in a sukkah? I don't know. It's cold. It's hot. It's, you know, it's raining. It's, it's, it's about to rain. A yid that's really a yid through and through that the nayam Hashem is aleinu. They look forward all year to Sukkot. They look forward all year to Pesach, eating those matzahs. They look forward to Lag BaOmer, and they look forward to davening and Shul a whole day on Yom Kippur. I had a grandmother who used to say to me that her favorite day of the year was Yom Kippur. Say Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is your favorite day of the year. You don't eat. You don't drink. You have to walk with slippers you have to pray in Shul a whole day when I was a kid I like was flabbergasted to hear somebody say their favorite day of the year is Yom Kippur Mela Purim Hanukkah Yom Kippur she said yeah Yom Kippur Yom Kippur was there a more beautiful day of the year Be able to stand in Shul without the distractions of food without drink With your machsir just standing and crying before the Rebbein is there a more beautiful day of the year? A day of Slicha, Mechila and Kapara? you You need a Yiddish heart, you need a Jewish heart and a real soul that's alive and pumping well, operating properly to feel that. Because if we are so influenced by technology, which is getting more and more into us. Do you have any doubt that in, in 10, 15, 20 years there's going to be some inside of your skin a chip that will mamish, make you part of the internet? You're laughing. Trust me, look at this tape. In 20 years you're going to say, wow, that hamburger he was way ahead of his time. <laughs> we're going to be human internets. That's what we're going to be. It's going to be in our minds, it's going to be in our hearts, in our veins, Pumping internet pumping schmutz pumping information that we'll never need that's what we're going to be we're going to be human computers it's getting there already we're probably there already I'm sure they're they're, they're developing in some laboratory a human being that's really a computer we'll, we'll and that's what we that's what we are that's what we're becoming right compared to Mora, all she did was put Mora. To right. So that is what we have to, that is what we have to come to terms with. The al brings in a sefer that when we make the brachas and birchas hashachar, the brachas and birchas hashachar are not brachas. They are brachas, but they're much more than that. Brachas and Birchas hashachar, many of them are questions. They're questions that we have to ask ourselves. He says when we make a brachah, Shulaya Sani for example, we have to it's not a statement that Sheleya Sani it's a question. Is it not true that we are Avadim? We are slaves. We're all slaves. We're slaves to our email, we're slaves to our Twitter, we're slaves to our internet. We're slaves to everything. We're slaves to our ruchmias, I mean to our gashmias, we're slaves to our food, to everything. We're slaves. When it says Shalayasani Gai, he says, he says you have to ask yourself, are we not Gaiim? We don't have a little Gai inside of us? We're not influenced by the gayisha culture? We don't have a sports team that we like. The foods that we eat, what are they? What foods are we eating? It's all kosher. It all has an OU on it. But look at what we're eating. If you go to Malcha Mall in Eretz and on Yer they have a food court, just like they have a food court here in the malls. They have a food court there, and all the, all the food is pretty much kosher there. Do they have one stand that sells like Knedlach and chicken soup and, uh, and boiled chicken and flanken? They have a Thai food stand, they have Chinese, and they have Mexican and they have uh, wherever. Bato Miko everything but Jewish food. It's not interesting to us. We have sushi and we have Chinese and we have Mexican. That's what it is. Do we ever have an event here that and you know, okay, come to the psychology club on Tuesdays and we're giving out, you know, free matzo ball soup. Never saw that. I've seen pizza, Italian, Chinese, sushi, Carlos and Gabi's. That's what influences us. We're very influenced. We go to a baseball game and, you know, we have hot dogs, kosher food stands. There's a shtickle guy inside of every one of us, whether you believe it or not. There is. We're just very like that. And it's we enjoy this galos. And we should enjoy galos to a certain degree. But at least recognize that what's nayam to Hashem is not necessarily what's nayam to us and that's not supposed to make us depressed but it's supposed to make us ask a question and inspire us to move towards aligning our definition of beauty more closely to what the rabbinic realm defines as beauty what is the Yiddish of food? and that's what I like what's the Yiddish of art? that's what I like what do I find? Geshmach, Torah, mitzvahs, davening. That's what's supposed to inspire me. Does it? Maybe not yet, but that's what I want to be. I want to be like my grandparents, my great-grandparents, who really found the Geshmak. They love being Jews. They love singing lullabies to their children and their grandchildren that learn in Torah Zagotazach. That was the lullabies that they sang to their children in their o'clock their every night before they went to sleep. What type of music do we enjoy listening to? A boy came to me once and says, Rabbi, I really would love to get into Jewish music. Not that Jewish music is really so Jewish, but at least it's the lyrics are psukim. He says, but I, I'm so... He says, you know, I said, Jewish music is very nice. What's wrong with it? He says, I know you think it's very nice you, but that's because you don't really know music. <laughs> he says, if you would listen to what's really music, you know, rock music, or, or all the other classical music, you know, that's music. Jewish music is junk. It's garbage. It's chasp of alma. So, you know, I can't listen to it. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that all Jewish music, mu, Jewish music is also inspired by the Goyim. But if you have like a Hartzegar, Karla Bachnigin, or the Is there anything more beautiful than that? Sitting by a kumzitz, by a tish, and singing beautiful nigunim—those are that, that's music. Roshaniyim kippur davening with the songs, with a with a classic nigunim—that's music that we should love. We should enjoy that. If we're still into our rock music, into our classic music, besides for the fact that the lyrics are trait, but what does it say about us is the nayam hashem eleno There's a pasuk in Rus. The pasuk in Rus says vayimer bayas el Ross Bayas says to Ross haloshmat biti I'll tell he loket Don't go into a foreign field stay by me Ve gam lo savar meza and don't go away from this It's a funny pasuk we need a medrash to explain this pasuk. Zok the medrash. Al telchi lul ke pistei acher. He's telling Ros, Al shem lo'yeh lecha lihim acherem. Don't go into a foreign field. That means lihim Khayrim. Don't go after foreign gods anymore, Ros. You're a Don't go after foreign gods. V'gam lo'yeh sa'vair What does that mean? Al shame zeh ke'li v'anveyu. What's the Pshar and the pasuk? I think the pshan in the pasuk is in the Medrash. Bayez is saying to Rus, I applaud your decision to be Jewish. I want you to stay in this field of Judaism. I'll tell Chilulke to Steacher and don't go anymore and pick and harvest in Steacher by Dayesha Elihim No, be done with that. But that's not enough. That's half of the problem. When a person goes and does his work in Mustay Acher and is influenced by Elihim Acherim, that's part of it. But Vegam Lei Yiddishkeit isn't just about the Sore Meirah, staying away from the gaish influences and staying away from Avedazara. Vegam Lei Mizeh, never lose sight. That as a full-fledged yid, you have to have Zecheli the Andayu. His Noel the Fun of the Mitzvah Chazal tell us in that Pasuk. Hidder Mitzvah comes from that Pasuk of Zecheli the I have to find beauty in Yiddishkeit. I have to love the Mitzvahs. It's not enough just to push away the Avay zara, but a person has to embrace the Mitzvahs at the same time. To live a dehydrated Judaism that I'm just doing nothing wrong. I'm staying on the on the good line. I'm staying. I'm, I'm towing the line. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. But leave me alone as far as what I consider to be beautiful. That is not a full picture of what it is. Partially right. You're not going to stay achir. That you get a lot of points for. But you also have to remember. The Gamay Saver Mizel always maintain Zekele the I love Tyra I love Yiddish. I find it beautiful. An Esreg. Some people look at esrog. It's a lemon. It's a lemon with 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 bumps all over it. I don't know why I'm spending a hundred bucks on a lemon and complaining about it and here and there and what you know. It's gonna. What do I need this? A Some people look at a, at an esreg. And they see it's a pre-eitzhader. HaKadosh Baruch Hu defines an esrig as a beautiful, magnificent, glorious fruit. To me, an esrig is the most beautiful thing in the world. I don't have any cash. It's a bumpy lemon. No, It's not. It's an esrig. It's a pre Hadr. I'll spend as much money as I can afford to buy that perfect esrig. It's a diamond. Why do you think a diamond is so chashiv? A diamond is a piece of glass. That's all it is. It's a chemical... Compound, that's what a diamond is. Glass is a chemical compound, metal is a chemical and diamond. But yet people are spending to find the perfect green for their colour, five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars for what? Oh, well, because Guyim said that a diamond, if it's this shape and it's this color and it's this clarity, ten thousand dollars. Are you crazy? We're all crazy, I mean we all do it. But we are talking crazy because but that's uh that's harder. Who said that's hadhr? To whom? To a guy? To De Beers, a uh, multi billion dollar industry. They created this perception in our mind through brilliant marketing that a diamond is forever. And so, Mela, every single chassan has to like go beg, borrow, and steal to buy buy his a, a pear shaped diamond and a this shaped diamond. That? Elamite? That's the Naina Mitzvah. The Mitzvah said that that's the, that's what's beautiful. I don't think that's beautiful. I think. That an is beautiful. I think that a beautiful talus with nice tzitzit on it that's clean, and that's that's beautiful. A sefer tzitzit is beautiful. A mezuzah is beautiful. But it depends on our perspective. It depends on what we consider as nayam. The nayam HaShem O'Kanon, when we're setting out in life to build our mishkan, we have to make sure that we have both brachas of Maishra That yes, what we're doing is HaKadosh Baruch in a Mishkan. We should build shuls and build a house and build a... and Hashem should find bracha and hatzlacha and whatever we're building for ourselves, for Kalal Yisrael, but never forget the second bracha of Maishra that the Inayam Hashem Alekenu Aleinu let it permeate ourselves let ourselves be influenced by what's really beautiful by virtue of what the terror defines as beautiful, by what our grandparents thought were beautiful not by what the Gaisha world thinks is beautiful the architecture of the Gaiisha world the artwork of the Gaiisha world the music, the culture, the science all of those things in the right proportion is okay, but don't think that that's what beauty is that's Yavan working out and gym and, and athleticism and it it's all okay but it's not what defines a year the year is different What's the SA? what's the HSA? if we find ourselves, Taka bitten by the by the Nayama Mitri. How do we change it? How do we change our children? How do we raise children in this generation that Taka believe that it's Gishmat to be a yid? I think there's two things. There's two things that you have to do to to raise children. And we're our we're our own children. With the Nayama Hashem Aleinu, the first thing is we have to be more like Btzalol. Btzalol was the architect that created this Nayama Hashem Aleinu. The word Btzalol says Chazal is Btzal Kel. Btzalol, according to Medrashim, was only thirteen years old. He was a bar mitzvah boy. What made him special? What made him be able to build a Mishkan while all his friends were, were buying and selling baseball cards? The answer is, Bitsal was Bitzal Kel. He was completely absorbed in the shade and the shadow of the Raderchild. The more that we're able to make sure that we and our children are Bitzel Kel that our influences, our Jewish influences, and that we stay away as much as we can from Gayish influences, the more that we have a fighting chance of creating a child who is self kel. It's an impassable fight today. Because you have to literally move to Meisharim, move to Bnei Brak, move to Lakewood, and even then, if you know what's going on in those places, there's no they're not really... Any more inoculated from the Nayama Mitri but the more that we're able to filter ourselves, filter our computers, filter our lives from the Nayama Mitri, the more that we're able to be Kel, ourselves, our families, the better chance we have to have the Nayama Aleinu. if we're sitting and learning if we're davening, if what we do this is what we're surrounding ourselves with most of the day, then that's what's us. If all day long we're talking about baseball and football and basketball and movies, that's what's going to be us. That's one thing that we have to do, to try to take ourselves, step back, ourselves, our children, our families, and try to somehow fight against the Mitzrim making such inroads into our lives, into our homes. And the other thing that it takes to raise a child that understands that Yiddishite is beautiful is it has to be beautiful to us, to the parents. What's the end of the Pasuk? If it's Geschmack to my father if I see that my father is enjoying Yiddishkeit, that my grandfather is enjoying Yiddishkeit, that to them it's chashov, then I could say zekhele van veyu. If I see my father loving the New York Yankees, I'm going to be a Yankee fan. If I see my father loving a certain type of music, or a certain type of hobby, or he loves going skiing, or he loves doing this, that's probably going to be influencing me. If my father is somebody that says Yiddishkeit is Geschmack and you see that he feels that, then I could say they say a story about a child that was in he was like a little kid and he was the Shabbos Abba in school so you know they have the Shabbos Abba, they have the Shabbos Iman, you know he makes Kiddush and Chalas and they sing Shalmah they do like a mock Friday night meal every Friday morning in many schools many preschools so this kid, it was, it was a kid in Belgium, and he, this kid is like three, four years old, and he sits, he's the Shabbat, Shabbat so he, get, he sits down at the front of this table, and there's all these boys and girls, little boys and girls, and they're looking at him, he's the Tati, and he sits down, and he opens up his belt, he loosens his pants, and he sits back in his chair, and he says, in Yiddish, he says, Boy, was this a tough week. Where do you get that from? <laughs> That's what his father does. That's the father's minute. Every single Friday night, he sits down, he opens up his belt, he opens up his pants, and he says, this was a terrible, tough week for me. That's what the child sees. That's what the child does. You can scream at your kid all you want, you know, find the Gishmaki If they don't see you, you're, you're you finding a Gishmaki Yiddish and Then why should they? There's a Gemara in Shabbos, which we'll end with. The Gemara in Shabbos says, If a person is accustomed to lighting candles in his house, Rashi says in and their you will have children that are tamidei chachamim." It's a school to light Shabbos candles, to have children that are tamidei chachamim. What's the school? Everybody lights Shabbos candles, right? And, and is everybody a tamid chacham? People that are Chilu to they light Shabbos candles. Where's the Talmid coming out of every every time a person lights Shabbos candles? Zokter Biyakav Herman, the tzaddik of America, says like this: You know what it means? Haragel having banam Let's say in the old days they didn't have electricity; they had lights, they had candles. You'd light a Shabbos candle. And putting aside any Shemayata issues, I know people that are very midactic, they always have a problem with this story because of Shemayata. Forget Shemayata for a second. But a person sits by the Shabbos candles and learns Friday night. And he doesn't learn for five minutes, he doesn't learn for ten, he learns for hours. He sits, finally gets a, a little time to himself, it's quiet, he doesn't have work, he doesn't have the phone. He sits and he learns. Friday night by the Araner, and now his son, his five-year-old son, his seven-year-old son wakes up in the middle of the night, and he's thirsty, and he wants a drink, so he goes downstairs, and as he's going down the stairs to the kitchen, he sees his father sitting by the Neir Shabbos hunched over his Gemara, learning about Smodar Abba. HaRogel B'Ner, such a person that's Rogel B'Ner like that, Nair Shabbos enables him to sit and learn with a G'shmach. Such a father that does that, that shows how G'shmach Taira is to him, doesn't preach that you better get a good mark in learning and you better be a master, and you better be a Lamdin, but he actually does it himself and by osmosis it spreads to the child. It's impossible for a child not to want to be a Tamil chacham if he sees his father loves Tyre so much. That's how you get a Noyam Hashem The Noyam Hashem comes from the fact that. That we ourselves are pushing back against the cu- culture of the Goyim that's so pervasive. And if we're a father, or we have a father, or we were a to have a grandfather, somebody that was this living example, and if we didn't, then we'll be that living example for our children. That's the way to raise ourselves and our children. To be Mekayim, not just the bracha that in the temples and in the schools and in the shuls that's where the shechina should be shira. but beyond that deeper the shechina will permeate our essence it will define us and the noyam that we see as being beautiful and geschmack and yophe and noyam will not be what the mitzvah consider to be beautiful but we will be inspired, influenced, informed by what the Ubainisham considers to be Nayan. This is the greatest mission that we have in life. To try to make what we live for, not just what we do, but what we for.